I was a bit optimistic in approaching this study in the Gospel of Luke, thinking that we could get finished and through it by Easter. I'm here to tell you it's not going to happen. <laughs> I've found, uh, I'm, I'm finding that I'm seeing why uh, different ones have taken many years just to go through a gospel. And so we're not necessarily going to put an end time on this. We're just going to allow Holy Spirit to lead, uh, as it were, and put together some sort of a schedule, but it's going to be quite a bit longer extending beyond that Easter time. So I just want everybody to just go, ah. um, there's a couple reasons for this. First of all, a lot of the content that we're going through, we're just kind of skimming across the top. And it's important, and I believe the Lord has been speaking to me about, you know what, there's a desire for Him to be able to go deeper with us uh, in the Word. And we're missing some of the more important aspects that would be impossible to cover otherwise. And I think as we've started in this, you all have seen that. I feel like I'm rushing through this to try and get to Easter. I don't want to do that. I want to just be able to settle down and take the time to dive into as much or little as Holy Spirit would lead. And we also want to give flexibility for our gatherings here. Again, as I said, as we started off this morning, that everyone here, whether you realize it or not, has something very, very important to contribute to the overall. And... Last week was a great example of this. We saw Holy Spirit just come and take control. Now, gratefully, we had the awareness, to whatever degree, to be able to allow Him to do that. Different ones coming and bringing words and contributing different things. It could be David Duke with an interpretive dance or... <laughs> could be Riley painting a painting, you know, uh, uh, whatever it would be. Um, David Strzeski with pageantry, flags in the back, just going crazy, somersaults. Obviously, um, yeah, wow, wow is right. Bob Nelson, um, Bob, it's whatever, it's an open book, man, just go for it. <laughs> Seahawks aren't even playing today, he's wearing the colors, what's going on? All right, that's right. But uh, we, we, want to, we want to see the release of the giftings and we want to be flexible that if we've got a, an Easter deadline, then we're not going to have that flexibility to be able to say, you know what, hey, we didn't get, the word, get to the Word today because um, Holy Spirit had a different plan for our plan. Everybody can say hallelujah, bring it on. And we want to be able to have that flexibility rather than being locked into a strict schedule. So having said that, I want to release an expectation over every single one of us. Would you stand with me? Just as a, a posturing. That you would come each time here with an expectation. God, how do you want to use me? And that starts by coming with, God, how do you want me to minister to you? Do you know that you were created to minister to God first and foremost? You're not just a, a one-way receptive being. We, he's, he's created us to worship Him and give glory to Him. And 
So how, God, how, for, that's the first question. God, how have you called me to come and minister to you? And that's, that's our whole lives, but specifically in this in our corporate gatherings. It's going to look differently. And there's so many different giftings here. So many different ministries here. And so God, we just say, come, let us come with expectation. Let us come filled up, ready to pour out. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, here we go. As we get into chapter 5 here of the Gospel of Luke, we want to back up just a little bit and remind ourselves of what Jesus has just done. He's come out of the wilderness filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And he goes into a village, to the temple, opens up a scroll, happens to be the book of Isaiah. I'm sure he didn't know that, right? And I'm sure he didn't realize that he was turning to what we now know as Isaiah 61. And he begins to read from there a prophecy many hundreds of years before, about himself. He's going to put it down afterward and he's going to say, there you go, you're looking at him right now. That's me that he was talking about. You can imagine the shock and awe as the people sat there listening because this is a rabbi who's going to break all the barriers. He is going to break out and He is going to pull people into breakout and breakthrough with Him. They have been stuck in a religious, ritualistic model that God never designed for them to stay stuck in or to be stuck in in the first place. They've missed the heart of it so far. And He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the downtrodden will be freed from their oppressors, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Wow. I think of like the Matrix, this like, you know, these waves that just went out, you know, people are falling out, just blown apart, like minds being blown. They're just going, what the heck have we just witnessed? Because they sat there and they were just shocked, amazed at what he has just said. This scripture has come true today before your very eyes. And so Jesus is going to, in essence, he, he go, he's going to work right away. He's on the ministry tour, the circuit, and he is going from village to village and he is working hard. Jesus is not a slacker. But we're going to see something that's very interesting as demons are being cast out who actually recognize who he is and his authority and he's telling them, shut up. Never listen to a demon because even in the truth that they speak, there's mixture and lies. So he is, then he heals Peter. So he's meeting Simon, who is, he isn't Peter yet, but he meets Simon and his mother-in-law is sick and heals her. So, I mean, he's, he's working here, but notice in verse 42 of chapter four, it says early the next morning, Jesus went out in the wilderness. There can be such a pull on us 
from so many different directions that you see even Jesus patterning for us an example of rest, of solitude. Not isolation from people, but solitude with God. That is a very important distinction. But you see this, this model, and as we, as we go here, and we'll be sharing more about this, but we're going to, after the week of prayer and fasting, we're going to continue the week of prayer and fasting. I, I really believe that God is calling us to a sustained fast of nine weeks following this week of prayer and fasting. Now what this looks like is one day a week of your choosing, one day a week that... Uh, that you would choose to for a traditional fast from sundown to sunup. Sundown to sunup, that's right. No, sun, sunup to sundown. <laughs> sunup to sundown. And to, uh, but one day a week, you know, our, our week of prayer and fasting can be something like we view missions. It's only on the foreign mission field. It's just an event that happens once a year. But the sustained fast is something that is so powerful in the life of the believer if it's practiced. And we believe that we, and this nine weeks will take us up to the launch um, or the one year anniversary of the launch of this church. And we'll end that fast with a celebration service together. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this. But stepping into, and I believe that there's going to be breakthrough in people's lives. Some of you that you've never known before, if you would step into this. So one day a week fasting and uh, for nine weeks to sustain it, rather than just having one week of kind of, you know, binge and pur- or purge and binge. You know, we just go right back to business as usual. And, and we wonder why some of those things don't stay with us that God has done. And uh, so developing that. So we'll get more information out to you about this. But you see Jesus developing this lifestyle right away, this pattern in his life. And, uh, you know, he's putting away his cell phone. God forbid that we could. Could you ever go? Have you tried to go 24 hours without your cell phone? We used to do it all the time. We used to do it without the emails, without the texting, without any of those things. But to get away with God. In solitude with Him. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Try not checking Facebook for 24 hours. Amen. Let's pray. We're out of here. Because that would save many souls right there. What could that look like? In the midst of all that we're doing... There's somebody here, I think it was Dennis Peacock, who talked about speed kills. Speed kills the life, the pace of life. We never give our souls an opportunity to rest. In the back of our minds, we've been so conditioned and so programmed. We're always thinking, I wonder if I get an I wonder if an email came. I wonder if I, I wonder if I've got a text. So we go try and find our phone. I wonder if somebody liked my Facebook post. Oh my word, I've got 10 likes. It's so true. How do we break out of this monotony? Because we get caught up in it. And if we miss this, wow. But Jesus here patterns for us fully God and yet fully man in need of rest and solitude with Father. 
Oh, my goodness. Get out into the wilderness. And we're going to see here that this, there's a calling that comes out of this whole thing. It says, the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But, he said, he replies in verse 43 of chapter 4, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other places too, because this is why I was sent. He was sent. Jesus Himself proclaims, I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Here's the reason why I was sent. To preach the good news of the kingdom. So, chapter 5. One day as Jesus is preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on Him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. The boats here are going to represent the church. Why are they empty? Because Jesus isn't in them. Why are churches empty and dead today? Because Jesus is not there building His own church. It's people building a church. Man trying to grow something that Jesus isn't growing. In other words, you could have 10,000, 30,000 people attending a Sunday gathering and the place is dead as a doornail. He noticed two empty boats at the, wa- at, the one of, at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats... Wow, Jesus just entered the building. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Our heart at Christ's North Shore is that the gospel would be preached. That Jesus would preach His gospel through us. That Holy Spirit would release His giftings through us so that we could become that Ephesians 4 church that is built up, equipped for the work of ministry that would happen inside and outside these walls. Amen? Amen. Pushed out into the water. So He sat in the boat and He taught the crowds from there. When He had finished speaking, He says to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets. Go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and you will catch many fish. Peter's going, Peter grew up a fisherman. He didn't make the rabbi cut. He had to do his, you know, the, he went the basic trade route. He would have joined with his father learning the family business when he was young. So he's been fishing all of his life. He's since met Jesus recently. Who's Jesus? What's his occupation? Carpenter. He's a builder. So these guys are over here. They're, the fishermen had left. They're washing their nets. There's no fish. There's no harvest that day. And Jesus is saying, hey guys, if you just put your nets out over here. Peter's doing the math. He's like, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. So I'm supposed to take your word for this. 
Here's the thing. God is going to call us to do many things that don't make sense to our rational, logical mind. It's not that God isn't logical and that He isn't reasonable. He is absolutely, yes, those things. But there are things that are beyond our scope. And we can be so worldly-minded in the sense that materially-minded that we're not able to see what Jesus is doing. And so if it doesn't make sense to us, oftentimes we ignore it or dismiss it as something that's crazy. And He's calling us to step out of the boat as He would do to Peter much later on. But He's going to teach him some things in this. But He's calling us to be able to get to that place of faith where we can trust Him and obey Him. But no matter how weird it sounds, to risk, to try. Put out, go deeper. Put out in deeper water. Let down your nets. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, all right, we'll try it again. And this night, this time their nets were so full, they began to tear. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat. Jesus is the one who is actually calling. Jesus is the one who's working in the hearts of people. Jesus is going to work through these guys. Jesus was going to allow them to do something that they couldn't do on their own. Jesus was going to take His calling of preaching the gospel of the good news of the kingdom. He's going to put it into these guys. He's going to infuse them with faith. Here, just a minute later, He's going to say, then all of a sudden, their, their boats are so full. Verse 6, They began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon other boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Where are these other boats? These other boats represent really a picture of us with other churches in the body of Christ. Coming together, working together. Is this just all about getting as many fish into this boat at North Shore as possible? No way. We can't handle it. And they begin calling and shouting. Say, you guys, we need some help over here. Hey, how about we work together? Rather than trying to build our own tower here, how about we begin to work together? There's so many here. The harvest is so great. There's no way we can handle it on our own. I love this picture that's being presented here. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm, I'm too much of a sinner. It's like all of a sudden he realizes, I, I, I had such a, a difficult time trusting you. I'm such a screw up, God. How can I? All of a sudden it's hitting him. This is more than just Rabbi Jesus. This is, G, this is the one. He's starting to get this picture. The revelation is starting to hit him. For he was awestruck by the size of their catch, as were others with him, his partners, James and John. They were also amazed. Jesus replies to Simon, don't be afraid. And here's our bottom line for today. Don't be afraid. From now on, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. I love this in this and uh, in this section here is Jesus is teaching them the keys for reaching 
for touching, for loving, for discipling. It's important to understand that our goal ultimately, big picture, is God's glory. In everything that we are, everything that we do. Loving God. Loving others. The result should be what is happening here. That disciples are created, not converts. Converts receive a free ticket as we've talked about before, a free ticket to heaven, you know, this golden ticket that gets us there, and then we become basically ineffective to God. Unusable. Because it was all about us. But when we are, we become born again, we become immediately, we become disciples. My seven-year-old son, my 11-year-old son, they're disciples of Jesus. They're not converts who need to... um, mature to a point where they become disciples immediately when we come to christ we become disciples not converts the goal being ongoing transformation in our life the the goal being ongoing fellowship of jesus not just getting saved and sitting in a nice boat waiting for jesus to come back again He's not there. He's on the shore. He's already going. This is the reason why He was sent. This is the reason why He was anointed. And now He's calling His boys. You guys, come follow me. Come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of people. Christ's goal is to create disciples, which should be our goal. We have far too many converts. Those who claim to be Christians in the church today. Satisfied with... We have far too many churches that are just satisfied with filling pews with people. Because it's all about the numbers game. It's all about if we can get as many people into this boat as possible and Jesus has already left the building. And again, we're not saying that this gathering time is not important. But our going point is very important. I can't imagine sleeping here. You know what? You know, we, we, we conclude our time together as we gather, and then, you know, people just pull out their sleeping bags and, you know, laying around the building, and, and we're just fellowshipping, having a good time, and then we turn off the lights, everybody goes to sleep, and we get up the next morning, and we just live our lives in this building. And you guys are going, yeah, duh, we get that part of it. Yeah, but that's how we live our lives. As if we camp out here, as if we live here, when Jesus yet is on mission, He's going, He's taking His gospel. When we talk about love God, love people, and when we talk about reaching the unreached, touching the untouched, loving the unloved, this isn't some sort of a social gospel that's just about services and meeting people's needs. Ultimately, that's not going to change them. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That He came and that He died. He came as, as, a, um, as a human being. God of all the universe. God of beyond the universe. God of all creation. That He came as an act of love. As an act of sacrifice to save mankind. That He died upon the cross. That three days later He rose again. That He ascended on the third day. And that He is with the Father. He is preparing a place for us. 
And we live with that expectation of, of the future to come, but we live with purpose here on earth right now on mission with Jesus Christ. Our measure of success in the church is not how many people we can get into these seats, but how many disciples are actively living and carrying the Gospel to their families, to their friends, and to the ends of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. We love doing a lot of praying here at North Shore. Come on, raise your hands. I'm going to bless us right now. We're just going to receive from Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, You've called us on mission. We are not going to, uh, using the analogy, we are not going to camp out here in this building. We're going out effectively empowered by You, the living God who has the desire to use us to reach, to touch, to love. To preach Your Gospel. To live Your Gospel. And we receive that here today, fresh and anew. You have anointed us, Holy Spirit, just as You did with Jesus. Come upon us in power, Come upon us in power. Come upon us in power, Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing. As we give out, may we not forget the importance of the rest of solitude with You. As we enter this season, not just this week, but this season of fasting, May this be a time of rest for our souls. May may we be able to recognize where we are running at 150 miles an hour. And our spirit hasn't, our our soul hasn't had it, and let alone our bodies have not had opportunity to slow down enough to be able to hear. Lord, I believe that there's callings that you have, but there's so many people who are so distracted by so many different things that they're not able to hear your voice. Lord, call us to slow down so we can hear that calling. In Jesus' name, Amen. Be blessed this week. Please continue to stay in this yourselves. Get in there. We're in chapter 5 of Luke's Gospel. Have a great week, even though the Seahawks aren't playing today. All right.